Apple is the new Hollywood, and you can't fix Twitter. This is episode 56, the New Year's episode of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom Asacker. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Tom. Tom, Apple is the new Hollywood. How did it happen? I could almost swear that you and I predicted this a year ago. Look, when I saw that headline, I, I told you, I don't even know when it was, I'm going to find that episode Yeah. and I'm going to send it to you where I said, that's where they're going to go. Of course. And you can strip it out and you can weave it into this. Do you want me to pretend that I disagreed with you at that time? Would that be more fulfilling no, for you? Yeah, no, not really. I, listen. <laughs> so, I mean, look, here's the news. Mark, and people everyone's... disagreeing with me is nothing new, just so you know. No, believe me, I, I remember it quite well. Uh, I remember it quite well. So the headline in the uh, Wall Street Journal, Apple sets its sights on Hollywood with plans for original content. You know, uh, I'm shocked, shocked that gambling is going on in here. <laughs> Apple is planning to build a significant new business in original television shows and movies, according to people familiar with the matter, a move that could make it a bigger player in Hollywood and offset, whoops, offset slowing sales of iPhones and iPads. Imagine that. These people said the programming would be available to subscribers of Apple's $10 a month streaming music service, which has struggled to catch up with the larger Spotify. Isn't it funny, Tom, in the first two sentences of this piece, it's kind of you give it and you take it away. You give it and you take it away all at the same time. <laughs> it's true. Apple's doing this big new thing, but here's why, because of struggle, 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 struggle. The technology giant has been in talks with veteran producers in recent months about buying scripted uh, rights to scripted television programs. In addition to TV, Apple has indicated to these people that it is considering original movies, although those plans are more preliminary. Oh, by the way, Tom, you're going to say it like I will. Yes, they will absolutely be doing that. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> There's nothing preliminary about it. Executives at Apple have told people in Hollywood they hope to start offering original scripted content by the end of 2017, they and everybody else. This is my favorite part of the article. I just have to read this sentence. <laughs> the show's Apple is... This is the, why PR is a wonderful thing. The show's Apple is considering would likely be comparable to critically acclaimed programs like Westworld on HBO or Stranger Things on Netflix. Of course you're going to do something comparable to something critically acclaimed. <laughs> <laughs> it's only going to be the critically acclaimed stuff. None of that bottom of the barrel, none, none of that who's the boss the next season stuff, you know? I know, I know. And that was written by who? The Wall Street Journal? The Wall Street Journal yeah, said, obviously. That, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, they're going to go. By the way, <laughs> critics haven't seen anything to acclaim yet, but what it's going to produce is going to be critically acclaimed. Of course. Forget the fact that the original content they've so far created, uh, which has been a smattering, has, has hardly <laughs> been critically acclaimed, but we'll leave that aside. Because it's looking uh, at just a handful of carefully selected shows and potentially films, it doesn't appear Apple is preparing to spend the millions, hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars it would need to spend annually to become a direct competitor to Netflix Inc., Amazon, uh, Amazon's Prime Video, or premium cable networks. Tom, that's a load of malarkey. Of course it is. <laughs> they will absolutely spend all that money. They will just not promise that they're going to spend it now or today because the expectation they create is the expectation they will need to vault over. Otherwise, the stock price goes into the toilet. Tell me yep. I'm wrong about that. No, you're right. Listen, it, this is a big change for Apple. Instead of, you know, seeing the future and designing the future, 
-hmm. These people are chasing the marketplace. You know, it's so so people are looking to fulfill their desires in the marketplace, mm -hmm. period. And then once they own every gadget available, then their desires turn to enjoying those gadgets. Like with what? Music, mm -hmm. games, movies. Hey, maybe even books. Maybe people are going to start reading again. I don't know. Maybe we should do a show on my new book at some point. <laughs> but, but, but listen, so make here's Apple's thinking. Making and distributing a movie still comes with a huge barrier to entry. You need money and you need relationships. Mm -hmm. So Apple's sitting there and they're saying, we've got money. Let's see, we've got a few hundred billion dollars in cash. Right. Oh, we have Hollywood connections. That's what we've built up over the last 10 years. Right? Yeah. Let's go do it because that's what people want. That's what people want. You're right. Their, their kind of demonstrated ability to sustain the innovation that they've had over the past generation um, has hit a speed bump, I think yep. it's safe to say, and in no small part because it's probably unsustainable. Um, and because, as you indicate, once people's need or desires, sorry, are fulfilled, um, then their desires are fulfilled, right? I mean, it's a function of if, if I've got all the gadgets I want or need, now hello, what? Apple Watch, right. then uh, I don't need any more, and you're not going to design any more. And the idea of, well, here's another $1,000 device that your 12-year-old needs to have, exactly. that <laughs> ceases to exist, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, thank you, Apple, for building such high-quality products so that I can still use the iPad that I bought three years ago. You know? Yes, they hate that. <laughs> yeah, they, they they do. <laughs> they they hate that. And I, but the 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 challenge is going to be that this new world of content and media that they're entering into, that they're clearly been entering into over the past couple of years, is a much sportier game. It's much sportier than the one they're accustomed to playing. It's uh, it's a field that's much more competitive. They clearly have, in this case at least, Amazon envy. I would argue. And uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out. It's understandable why they're going down this path. But let me give you some numbers here because I think these numbers are really telling. The, uh, the article, the WSJ article says, well, last year Apple missed its own internal revenue targets for the first time in, in the last seven years as iPhone 6S sales fell short of expectations. Uh, sales may have slowed uh, amid rising competition, particularly in China. So you've got hardware sales declining. Mm -hmm. You've got less than stellar results from Apple Music, which if it were coming from anyone other than Apple would be absolutely stellar, right? Right. But because it's half of what Spotify is and it's coming from Apple, everyone thinks it should be better than that. But here's some of the numbers, and we talked about these a little bit before. So in 2015, Apple made about uh, Apple's uh, revenue was about 233 billion. In 2016, the estimate is that it will decline to 215 billion, which I don't know what the percentage is, but it's down. Still a big hit. <laughs> Still a super big number. You're absolutely right. Now, if you take all their paying subscribers for Apple Music and multiply it times the monthly rate and the annual and the number of months. You come up with a number that's 2.4 billion, which is just over 1% of their total revenue. Mm -hmm. By the way, Netflix, Netflix's revenue was 7 billion in 2015. <laughs> so it's hard to imagine how Apple can needle. make up, yeah, how they can make <laughs> up uh, the decline. Again, when you've got a $1,000 device in your pocket and you don't need another one, 
and there's, you know, 300 some odd million people in America to say nothing of the rest of the world. It's hard to see how they make that up. You know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean. I, listen, everything that happened right for Apple that, that made them soar to the most valuable company in the world at one point, or if they still are, was the iPhone. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a phone. Yeah. Every, and, and listen, competitors caught up. You know, I mean, the new iPhone 7, it's got, a, it's got a beautiful camera, some, you know, two lenses that can take this portrait and create like a depth of field. Wonderful. I mm -hmm. guarantee you a knockoff will be out in six months. Absolutely. And this is the problem with trying, you know, trying to come out with the next thing which has an incremental improvement. What they have to do is they have to come up with another iPhone. I don't know what that is, but I can guarantee you it is not a TV series, right? <laughs> no. It's definitely not a TV series. It's probably not a TV set, whatever that is. And it's definitely not a watch. <laughs> no, listen. And, and listen, on the TV side and the movie side or whatever they're working on, I don't think they realize the huge problem they're going to have getting attention. I mean, mm -hmm. just the other night, I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm watching, I'm watching TV. And I swear to you, I couldn't figure out which one of the great new TV series to turn on. I couldn't right. believe it. In my mind, I said, oh, wow. I think in the United States, at least, I think movies are going to be pretty much dead. I mean, other than the big screen spectacles, right? The Star Wars, the mm -hmm. Harry Potters. Sure. Why do I want to pay to watch a 90-minute drama or dramedy when I can watch an entire series as part of my subscription plan, right? To Comcast, Netflix, Amazon right. Prime, whatever it is. It's almost like you watch a 90-minute movie and you go, that's it? <laughs> Unless because there's the something quality, remarkable about it. The yeah. quality is so good of these TV series. Yeah. Well, and as you know, all the creative talents moving in that direction, the influence in the various writers and directors' guilds is moving in that direction um, because that's where the action is, that's where the talent's moving, that's where the attention's moving, and that's right. where the content's moving. That's right. Following the attention. Um, interestingly... One of the points they made in the WSJ piece was that Apple feels one of its competitive advantages to get more of the Hollywood talent come, to come aboard is that they will share data with you on how many people watch the original content and some demographic data, and Netflix generally doesn't do that. And I thought, well, but that's not what makes Hollywood's heart beat. They're not interested in those details. All they want to do is create the work they want to create and be paid for it. That's it. Everything else is bragging rights. Ratings are bragging rights unless yeah. you're in the business of selling uh, advertisements. Yeah, look, um, one, of the, one of the things they probably don't understand because it's not advertising, creative people don't look at what worked as a formula for what will work <laughs> because they know a lot of this stuff is hit and miss. You know? <laughs> yes, they do, because the best ones, as you wrote about, have failed again and again, haven't they? Exactly. Could. Yep. All right. Um, you're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Tom, you can't fix Twitter. No, you really can't. <laughs> Tom, which, this is from Politico, of all places, but, I mean, what's your thought on Twitter today? How do you see Twitter? Before we get into the article, how do you see Twitter today? <laughs> so, Okay. I look at it and I say, okay, what is this thing? Is it a, is it a community? No, not really. No. Is it a, a platform to engage like with like-minded people? No. No, no. To me, Twitter 
this is the only metaphor I could come up with in my head. It, it's a highway. Mm-hmm. So you're driving your car, and you have the ability to tune into some radio stations for some quick news, sports, and entertainment reports, right? That's their moments feature. Mm-hmm. But what's really grabbing your attention on this highway are all of these digital billboards popping up every, every so many miles mm-hmm. vying for your attention, right? And what are they? They're ones posted by people that are also driving on the highway. <laughs> and, and you have the ability to tap your phone and post your own digital billboard. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. It's, and it's like, what do I want to post? Ah, random thoughts, some self-promotion, a misattributed quote. It doesn't even matter. No, it doesn't matter. Because what? Because you it'll be gone in a moment. Right. Because what you think you're after is attention. Yeah. Right. If I can just now, here's the interesting thing. Unlike those billboards that you see driving to Florida every 15 mm-hmm. miles that talk about this place you should go eat or visit, most of these people have nothing behind the attention that they're trying to gain. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Not it's only like, that. Do, it's like, do you know me? Yes, I do. Now what? Not, a, not only that, but it's as if they roll out the billboard, you drive by, and they roll the billboard away. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, I, that's so apropos. I my kind of thinking was, well, it's a pithy news release, but yours is so much more colorful. <laughs> so, and both of them relate to the reason why this this piece exists. This why we can't fix Twitter. Social media is broken. When will we realize that we're the problem? The, the answer is we should have realized that a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Emily Parker in this piece says, it's fashionable to complain about the low quality of Twitter conversations. We bemoan trolls, flame wars, and the lack of nuance inherent in 140-character statements. Occasionally, some high-profile tweeter will publicly declare that they are done with the platform. And this does. This happens like every month, doesn't it? (laughs) As the writer Lindy West did this week in an article titled... I've left Twitter. It is unusable for anyone but trolls, robots, and dictators. As a result, by the way, Lindy West will be most famous of all for that very article. Exactly. The Twitter C- this is I'd love this piece. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey recently asked his followers to suggest ideas for improvement. Tom, Twitter launched 11 years ago. He's just getting around to this now. Listen to some of the, you got plenty of recommendations, such as an edit button so users could fix erroneous or ill-considered tweets. Tom, 11 years. (laughs) Oh, maybe we should have the ability to edit this after 11 years. I know. Other suggestions, including a bookmark button and improved reporting options for bullying. It's just, it's unbelievable. What were you going to say? Oh, I'm just going to say that, you know, it's not, it's just not Twitter. I mean, the irony of of the whole political article, you know, because, you know, she writes social media is broken. When I launched that link that you gave me, Mm -hmm. my back book slowed to a frustrating crawl because of all these (laughs) auto load ads on Politico site. So... Do you know what I mean? So they're writing about Twitter is broken, and I can't even read the article. You <laughs> it's not only Twitter, is it? It's all broken. Uh, it's all she broken. says, she writes, it's unclear if these kinds of changes will improve the quality of Twitter discourse. What they won't fix is the company's cafe car problem. The idea that you go, you want, what do you want from the cafe car? You want healthier food, then you go to the cafe car and you eat the cheeseburger. We say we want more civil, thoughtful dialogue, but do we really? Of course not. That's no surprise to anybody. Here are the things that she says that are kind of emblematic of of this uh, problem that is us. Number one, we're addicted to the promise of going viral. And this is the idea that Everyone on Twitter who has a following 
places the, all the value on the fact that they have a following. <laughs> so <laughs> what you say is less important than the number of people you're saying it to. Everyone wants to be a star. And like I've said to you before, I think the funniest thing when the experts on how to use Twitter and how to be a star on Twitter have smaller followings than you or I have. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, true. Everyone wants to be famous for 15 characters. <laughs> Look, listen, Twitter is sunk because it, for the same reason that all these media properties are sunk. You know, we heard about Medium in the news last week. Yeah. It's because of the Internet's impact on the marketplace in terms of supply and demand. I mean, mm -hmm. we talked about this before. I'll, I'm going to say it again, but I want you to really think about this. So when I was at university... Because <laughs> I'm the problem. The problem is that I'm not thinking about it hard enough. <laughs> no, no, no. I want you to just think about this metaphor. I know you're thinking about it, but just I want you to just spin this crazy metaphor in your head. When I was at university, right, studying economics, one of my professors, he used this hypothetical example to make some case about supply and demand. Mm -hmm. He said to us... Look, if you guys live in a small town with one bowling alley, do not open a competing bowling alley. He said, all you're going to do is drive both of you out of business. So now, what's the internet and media? Mm -hmm. It's bowling alleys with free bowling on every street corner. <laughs> How in the hell is anybody... See, I think that these investors... They got in their mind that they could create lock-in. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll give all these guys this money. They'll build these giant audiences. They'll lock the audiences in. Then we can figure out what we can do with these audiences. We can monetize it through advertising. Right. We can sell them things. These people aren't locking in. They don't no, like they're... what they're doing. They click off someplace else. The, 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 the original term browsing is really apropos. Exactly. No, you're right. No, you're right. <laughs> So what are you investing in? If people, as soon as you ask them for a dollar, are going to click away, or as soon as you say, give me your email address, they say no, and they click away to something else, where's the value? Well, that is why a lot of these platforms, including Twitter, had been claiming, well, we're not media, we're a platform. Um, and then they do deals with the NFL, and then they do the red carpet from the Golden Globes, exactly. and now all of a sudden they're live streaming, Live streaming is by definition media, not simply platform. So it's, it's it, it, yeah, that recognition is there. But again, to your point, well, wait a minute, I can get that content somewhere else. I can get it at livestream.com. I can get it at NBC.com. I can get it somewhere else. That's I right. can get it at NFL.com. That's right. Fact, I can if, go to any bowling alley on any corner I want. Oh, by the way, this one over here, they have free beer while you bowl too. <laughs> Do you see? Let's just keep drawing these people in. And to make it worse, if there's if there's only one bowling team you're interested in, then whoever owns that bowling team has all the leverage. Ah, now you're talking about content. And we said that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. When platforms proliferate, content is king. And this is why Apple wants to do what? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Develop original content. Now we're back to that. Yep. Too much, too little, too late, I would argue. I, so, I'm with you. One of the points we're addicted to the promise of going viral, she said, thoughtful engagement takes too much time and, frankly, it requires being thoughtful. And <laughs> civility can be boring, to which I would say, no, civility is boring. Um, television proves that. Uh, radio proves that. The Howard Stern Show proved that civility is boring. Yeah, and, you and uh, I are too and civil. Ratings That's our problem. 
Yeah, we are too <laughs> civil. And well, uh, but the idea that we should be more civil and thus the platform would be better, more successful if we were, that's the ultimate myth. And uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so yes, the problem is us and the problem is the platform because of us. So exactly. well done all the way around. <laughs> Tom, it's time for rants and raves. Although before we get into it, I think it's worth mentioning. We're going to discuss this on a, a later show. But you have a new book out, and it's really superb. And I want it to be a topic later, but I, th I think it's worth mentioning I Am Keats, the new book by Tom Asacker. And Tom, just give me a, a thumbnail on why people should be interested in this book. Well, because people have been sold a bill of goods uh, everyone's buying self-help books, but these self-help books are helping the wrong self. So, so I Am Keats teaches you how to help the right self so that you'll be more creative, you'll have a more fulfilled, exciting life. And you didn't, you're not just talking about the part of yourself that's wrong, you're talking about the self that wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> All right. We're, we're going to cover that more, but I Am Keats is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever uh, good books are sold. Dot yes. com, right? Yes. Uh, Tom, do you have any rants or raves this week? Well, I, you know, the, and this is in keeping with the fact that Apple can't figure out what to make. And, you know, so have you tuned in to any of the groundbreaking technology that was showcased at the Consumer Electronics Show? A little bit. Okay, the biggest trade show in the Western Hemisphere. Right. Okay, so now I was reading and I said, oh, now there's something called Play-Doh Touch, where you make a Play-Doh shape, you scan it with your phone, and then you load it into an app, and then it gets all animated and you play a game with it. So <laughs> screw getting creative and actually playing with Play-Doh. Instead, <laughs> you take a few seconds, you make a little shape, and then you play a Play-Doh game on your phone. Wow, you know, if Ray Harryhausen had had that technology, right? then stop motion animation would have been completely different. Yeah, it's, br it's brilliant. <laughs> Don't play with Play-Doh. Just make a little shape, play with the Play-Doh game. It's so much easier. Oh, God. And not, then the next thing, as I read about the cosmetics company, L'Oreal, and mm -hmm. they debuted, are you ready for this? A $189 smart hairbrush. <laughs> it, has, it has multiple sensors. It includes a microphone an accelerometer, a gyroscope, and it listens to the sound of hair brushing. And it provides <laughs> insights on manageability, frizz, dryness. Le uh, you think I'm joking? And, and no, I know you're not joking. It has a mobile app that gives you tips on how to brush your hair. Listen, I, I, <laughs> I think this goes back to the old maxim, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Look, this isn't a joke. There was also a $100,000 Bluetooth headphone made with 20-carat diamonds. Look, <laughs> here's what I find hilariously <laughs> profound and paradoxical. Each year, the gadgets at CES, they get richer, smarter, mm -hmm. and more connected, while the mm -hmm. people they're designed for are becoming poorer, <laughs> dumber, and less connected. Go figure that one out. <laughs> oh, that's so that's so true. I have a couple. Uh, the one, the first one's super quick. This is super quick. Um, this is a piece I got from uh, one of the CM Content Marketing Institute newsletters called Content Tech, and the title the title is the whole is the whole. Rant. You love titles, though. Yeah, here's the title: <laughs> Fifteen Plus Worthless Words to Cut to Improve Your Reader's Experience. <laughs> What? 
the world. And that's followed by a graphic, you know, because all their images, so that they're Facebook friendly, have just the right size graphics. And there on the graphic, 15 plus worthless words to cut to improve your reader's experience. <laughs> Can you give us like a word? Which, like, give me some one. So, like, and uh, actually, but. so so is one of the words. Oh, just so. that, then, literally. So, I was just so struck by the idea that here is an article that has so many worthless words in its very title, and it's all about worthless words. You know, they could have said. And by the way, the last the last point is. The last point of the article is strive for stronger writing. They could have said write stronger. <laughs> they no, could have said write pithy. That's funny. I All know. right, Mark, leave those poor guys alone. Uh, I know. They, they, oh. Okay. So here's the last one. This is from Publishers Daily, and I'm going to read this little story to you. Joseph Talbot, a bank executive in Wayne County, New York, which is near my hometown of Rochester, was arrested on December 29 for driving under the influence. During his arrest, he reportedly complained that his mugshot would also appear in the local paper, the Times of Wayne County, which routinely publishes details on DUI arrests, including booking photos as part of its police blotter feature. In fact, Talbot was so concerned about this happening, he initially re resisted being fingerprinted or photographed, incurring additional criminal charges... <laughs> <laughs> before he was fingerprinted and photographed anyway. Unable to prevent the newspaper from publishing his mugshot, Talbot did the next best thing, touring as many local newsstands as he could early the next morning and buying up all the available papers at a cost of $1.25 per oh, copy. Oh, I had a friend do that once. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't in 2017. Despite some obvious flaws in his plan... Talbot was apparently quite determined, asking one seller whether the printer distributes more copies when they sell out. He obviously intended to return and buy them all as well. <laughs> Fortunately for him, this proved unnecessary. Now about those logical flaws, and there are a few. First, the majority of the newspaper's circulation is delivered directly to subscribers' <laughs> doorsteps. Mass petty theft was beyond even Talbot's abilities or perhaps he figured another arrest would defeat the purpose. Then there's the fact that the Times of Wayne County, like virtually every other newspaper in the country and indeed the world, <laughs> also publishes online, including the police blotter. The horrible, beautiful irony of all this, of course, is that by making himself into a viral news story, Talbot... <laughs> has managed to not only publicize his original infraction far beyond his <laughs> wildest nightmares, but made himself look like a right idiot at the same time. <laughs> That's beautiful. So I got to give credit to Eric Sass of Publishers Daily for that one. That because was a it good is one. just priceless. That is great. That is Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher. It's free. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at art19.com, Radio Inc., Media Village, Google Play, Music, and Net News Check. And soon, Tom, as I emailed you today, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. Catch up on older episodes at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the amazing producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can find him at Jeff-Schmidt.com. For Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.